Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who could do that too. If they had those tools, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right. Welcome to show number 526. On today's show, we're talking about how getting old sucks, uh, skewed plane blades, and are cantilever drum sanders worth it? But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before April 30th at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And this is the part where Matt would normally talk, but he's not here, so he can't. Hey, but we want to let kick, you kick. know that, that was my best, Matt. <laughs> if you want to go to uh, patreon.com slash woodtalk, uh, look at what we got going on over there. That's a great way to help support the show. Uh, we appreciate everyone who chooses to do that. And of course, we always appreciate everyone who just chooses to listen and enjoy the sultry sounds of Mark and Shannon and not Matt. <laughs> this is going to be a, yeah, a small right. cult following people who just like to listen <laughs> yeah, to Mark and Shannon. Yeah, there's a very, very small number of people. Uh, <laughs> Margaret's not one of them. So there's that. Okay, uh, what's on a dining table today? Little, you know, somewhat off-topic stuff. Um, should uh, should I go first? The biggest biggest news here. Or you want to do yours first and tease? Oh, uh, we probably won't get to mine if we start with yours. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just throw it out there because I get people asking. You know, it, it is funny how I get people on YouTube who ask me, "Hey, you lost a lot of weight," and I kind of look at the calendar, and go, "Yeah, it's been three years." But um, yeah, yeah. Are you feeling well? <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. But so I, I get a lot of people asking, you know, about, you know, the fitness and triathlon and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. I just, it, I have seen a big difference when I, in 2018, when I really started to lose weight and I lost like a hundred and Lord knows 120 some pounds at that point. And it was just like melting mm -hmm. off. And I was like this furnace, like I could eat anything I wanted to eat. I mean, I was working out a lot. Um, but now, uh, you know, the, the pandemic actually the pandemic didn't cause me any problems because that allowed me more time to work out um sure. but i i saw like 20 pounds kind of creep back on 
um, kind of, especially during um, triathlon off season. Cause I, I really, I went hard last year and I really needed to like take a step back and chill. And I was like, okay, well, 20 pounds, that kind of sucks. That's, you know, I've got plenty of time to get back to race weight, man. It is hard. Like the difference of losing <laughs> 20 pounds when I was 45 to now 47 is ridiculous. And like, I'm working out, I've got at least 13 to 15 hours a week where I'm on the bike running or swimming. Um, and, mm-hmm. and last couple of weeks, cause the weather's been getting nice. I've actually been going for casual rides just for fun, not training. So I probably did 20 hours, um, of, of, of working out. You've got yoga thrown in there. I'm lifting weights. I'm like doing all this stuff. I'm not eating horribly. Now I'm, I'm certainly not like super, super restricting myself because I can't because I'm working out so much. Um, yeah. I gotta have fuel. Um, but I'm also not like, you know, I'm going to have a hamburger sometimes. Like I'm, I'm too old to restrict myself. I'm not trying to win. Gotta have that burger. Yeah. I'm not trying to win any medals. I'm not going pro. So I don't need to get my yeah. body fat down to 6% or something like that. I'm eating healthily and occasionally splurging. The one thing I discovered is diets don't work. Like denying yourself stuff doesn't work. Just adapting yeah. to a, a healthier lifestyle, you know, counting some calories to some extent, you know, and recognizing if I put this in my mouth, this is going to be, you know, recognize the impact of what you just put in yeah. your mouth. But it is killing me that I've really, like, in the last two months, I started using an app again to really monitor everything I'm eating. More importantly, how much I'm fueling, taking on during workouts and making sure I'm getting the appropriate glycogen stores for the, the workouts I'm doing because they're getting harder and harder. I'm preparing for a half Ironman, by the way. And I don't know if I ever told anybody that. But um, so the, nice. there's a big... In September, a big race on the horizon, 70 miles. I've got multiple 100-mile gravel races, bike races this year, which I'm not terribly concerned about those. Those are less races and more like Grand Fondo kind of relaxed type thing. But there's a lot mm-hmm. on the horizon. So I was like, you know, I need to get back to raceway and I need to drop this 20 pounds. And over the last two months, I have lost one pound. <laughs> one oh, geez. pound. Slow. And, and, you know, you could look at the graph and see that it's trending downward. And then I go back and I look at like, you know, okay, well, did I, did I screw up this week? And I was like, no, no, pretty much spot on. That's just the way my body works now. It's like, you suck. Yeah. Getting old sucks. It does. It does. I just got this morning, got back from the physical therapist because I pulled something in my arm and I've got just pain that... I can't lift things in certain ways, like lifting up Ava to get into the car seat. That particular motion just taps into whatever the heck I've agitated. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, and it's from working out. Uh, and, and just in your forties, you start doing these things that were a lot easier in the past, especially if you start, I think you and I are both on a similar trend in having really gotten more serious mm-hmm. about fitness later in life. Oh yeah. And it's punishing. It is absolutely punishing to your body, especially if you haven't conditioned it this whole time. So yeah. yeah, I kind of feel for you. I, I want to I wanna say it's added muscle. That's what slowed the weight loss. That's I'm going to go with that. Oh, sure. Um, and I, yeah, I'll, sure. I have no doubt that it's that it's happening somewhere. And, you know, the good news is, is I'm, I'm getting faster. Performance-wise, it's good. I'm very happy with, yeah. you know, my stamina, my preparation for my races. I've got a race in 30 days, first one of the season. Well, first outdoor race of the season. And all that's great. But, you know, if I'd lose this 20 pounds... I would look a lot better in my tri suit. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the Instagram picture. Yeah. 
yeah. the sweaty ones, when, preferably. When, when your sport is is centered around skin suits, yeah, that 20 pounds makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Ava knows how you feel. Uh, took her to g- gymnastics yesterday, and her gymnastics suit was too tight. She didn't like how it was hugging in the crotch, and uh, we had to leave because she was very uncomfortable. So she she understands your pain. Fair enough. If, if we weren't talking about your right. daughter, I would say hugging in the crotch would be a good show title, but I feel like that's inappropriate. To- Maybe inappropriate, <laughs> but you know what? Now you know what's on Shannon's dining table, a salad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no more burgers. And grilled chicken. All right. What do we got here? A kickback from Christopher. You want to read that one? I don't know. Are you, are you not going to, are you not going to show what's on your dining table now that we teased it? Oh, look at me skipping right past it. I'm just taking <laughs> things in order. And we moved right past it. Well, snap. But let me let um, me just divulge that if we get into this, we may not be able to cover much else of the show. I don't know. We may not get out of it. We might go off the rails. So <laughs> now, now you got to drop the bomb, Mark. <sighs> I want to people yeah, right now. I want like, I want you to start taking bets on what Mark could be saying. I'd be guarantee there's a bunch of you out there who are going to get this right. I think at least 30% will know exactly what's about to come out of my mouth. And Shannon said, like, do you want to talk about it? Like, I don't know if I'm ready to because I don't know if I'm ready for the, you know, onslaught of we told you so's that, that will follow. This is called forced so, group therapy. Yeah. Uh, looks like we're moving. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I even on. knew it was coming and I had to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people tell me like, hey, it's been about five years. Isn't it time to move again? And I'm like, shut up. I don't want to move. We're fine. Everything's fine. We're not moving. Uh, Turns out we're moving. Uh, so do you want to know the the genesis of this and why it's happening because it's, you know, Mark and Nicole seem to be somewhat nomadic. We're semi nomadic people that tend to move around. And, and why is it that this is happening? So let's, let's take the history back a little bit. The reason we moved from Arizona, excuse me, in spite of having this great dream shop, uh, I hated Arizona. It just was not a place that gelled with my personality I didn't like the weather profile. I didn't want to raise my kids there. I wanted them to experience four seasons. Um, and something was very appealing about the, the Denver area. Uh, we went there to visit a couple of times. Absolutely loved it. And it just was like, this is for us. This is where the lifestyle we want. Uh, the, you know, so many people around here are incredibly fit. It's a very fit town. Um, yeah, I yeah. can't look out my office window without seeing someone walk a dog. Lots of dog people around right. here. It's like the people that ride by on the bike. They're not just people riding bikes. Like they have Olympic medals at home. Like yeah. Those are the people that yeah. live in and around the Denver area. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got the, the fancy spandex on like you. Yeah. Um, just much faster. And they just, it's just a very, uh, a positive sort of encouraging place. If you want to be in that lifestyle, you know, so it, it just worked for me. So we moved here and it was like, it's not a a cheap place to live. So in order to get the kind of uh, lifestyle we wanted and I had to make some sacrifices for the shop, right? So that's why I went with a, and I say sacrifice, but a four car garage is really nothing to to turn your nose up to. It's a a beautiful shop space, but it's got its problems and the kind of business that I want to run. I really do want a larger space than that. So it wasn't ideal, but it was a means to an end. It got us to where we wanted to be. Most not just getting us to Denver, but for me, most importantly, getting me out of Arizona. Didn't want to be there anymore. So here we are now. And uh, I'll tell you what, what actually started us down this path. First of all, you guys might remember Jason uh, moved from Missouri um, here and tried to make a go of it and turned out they did not like (laughs) the Denver lifestyle. It just didn't work for them. And they wound up moving back. 
so my mom does currently live here, but the majority of our family on Nicole's side, they're all in Missouri. So over this last five or six years that we've been here, and, and if anyone thinks we're moving really quickly and because it's only been a couple of years, it's actually been like six years. Uh, when we moved here, my daughter didn't walk yet. She had zero words coming out of her mouth. Just, it was all like jumbles of, um, you know, nonsense at that time. Now you wish she had um, less my words kid, coming out of her mouth. <clears throat> yeah. If you, uh, if you look at my kids when we moved here and compare them to now, you'll see how long we've been here. It's been quite a while. Um, so, uh, so let me step back. This is how it all started. We got contacted by a venture capital, um, company that really was interested in investing in the wood whisperer. And that's not something I'm going to do. It's not interesting to me. But as part of this, the agent we work with said, look, if you do want to take a meeting with these people, you have to know where you want your business to go and how these people might be able to help enable that. What are the, st the stumbling points that money might be able to help you get past? And it was going through that thought exercise of what do I want to do? Where do I want this business to go? What can I accomplish here? I've toyed in the last few years with looking at commercial real estate and seeing if there's a possibility of going off site. And then I start to think like, you know what? Dang it. I don't want that. I don't want to drive to work every day. I love, you know, this type of lifestyle of having my shop near my home. But this shop where I'm currently at will not facilitate the growth that I want to experience with the business. So I started thinking about where could I do this? I don't think I could afford to do it here. And, and like I said, I don't want the commute. Uh, doing it here in Denver. What are my other options? So I started to put some things together in my brain going, my wife really wants to be with family. Uh, you know, the kids at this point wouldn't make a whole lot of difference while the weather there is certainly more humid and a lot more sweltering in the summer. And there's a lot more bugs. It still is a four season climate. Mm -hmm. It's still not Arizona. So it's got that going for it. <laughs> Sorry, Arizona. <laughs> I, I, I respect people who love it. If you love it, that's great, but we're allowed to have different tastes. I'm envisioning a checklist at the top of the checklist, not Arizona. <laughs> Number one, not Arizona. So yeah. And it, it does, uh, it does check that box. And the more I started to like dig into looking at some of the properties out there and what I could get for my money, it just started to make sense. And I, I finally, and you would think Nicole was the one pushing for this. I actually went to Nicole and said, what do you think about possibly maybe thinking about moving again. And she was like, Oh my God, seriously. Like the, the thought of being able to be near her family, she just lit up and the kids are excited about it. Even my mom is excited about it. We're going to take her with us. Um, we're not, we're not just going to leave her here. <laughs> we haven't told <laughs> and, her uh, yet, but <laughs> yeah, she doesn't know yet. <laughs> Actually. She's uh she's in the house right now watching the dogs and, and getting some advanced things like early stuff packed up for us. Uh, she's been a, a huge help. So the thought of having not just Nicole's family around, um, but all of, you know, my most important uh, person in my family is my mom having her there. Um, it, this is a really interesting opportunity. I will not love living in Missouri. Hmm. I will not love the, the everything about it. Um, I, I like we talked about this pre-show, uh, you know, Shannon. Yes, uh, my sincerest spent, spent plenty of time here. I've lived in Missouri yeah, I mean, too. So I, I, I know of what I speak. I lived in Columbia where Nicole grew up. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and, and, and please don't get me wrong. It is gorgeous. Like, especially Southern Missouri. Um, I remember going mm -hmm. to Johnson shut-ins when I was a kid and just playing forever and ever and ever today, like as a cyclist, oh my God, the hundreds and thousands of miles of gravel roads I could take my gravel bike on. I would love it. Yeah. But as someone who lived in Colorado and moved to the East coast 
for my wife. Yeah, I left a part of me in Colorado. It's an absolutely beautiful yeah. place to live. So my sincerest condolences to have to leave. And I it. will too. I, you know, I'm not doing this because I don't like it here. I'm, I, I will. This is probably. I mean, you could say there's a, a piece of me that I left in New Jersey, but I, I don't have a whole lot of fondness for New Jersey. But it's dirty. Uh, but this is the first place in terms of like places I've chosen to live. I've specifically uh, selected this place to live. I will be leaving a piece of my heart here for sure because this I, I absolutely love it here. Uh, but I've always said that like my house, my work situation, my family, everybody's happiness is so much more important to me than the climate and and the mood of the environment I'm in. I mean, let's get real. I spend most of my time in my shop, right? Like that's where most of my life is. Uh, and then sometimes I might go to the gym. <laughs> that's like about it. Uh, so there, there's just a lot of benefits to it. And you look at the cost, man, uh, the kind of property that I could get yeah. horse property that already has a building that would be a good starting point. Uh, some of these properties have their own lakes or, you know, ponds on them. Absolutely. Just beautiful places. The cost of living is so much cheaper. Um, there's definitely advantages to it. So uh, we don't know exactly. Coming soon to the Wood Whisperer Guild, the Wood Whisperer Dinghy. And that's right. I do want to build my own dinghy. That'd be <laughs> great. Uh, so we don't know, you know, the timeline on this. Obviously, we want the kids to finish out the school year, but we are getting the ball rolling. And by the time this will be a couple weeks from when I'm recording this to when you guys hear it, uh, we are actually going to visit and seeing if we could find, you know, actually tour some of the properties. Uh, when Mark and Nicole make a decision, things happen fast. <laughs> we don't take our time with things. Uh, when we say we're doing something, it happens. Um, but the school year definitely has to finish out. But the ball is is beginning to roll, and this is something that's going to happen. So, yeah. Wow. A move <clears throat> again. That's crazy. I, well, yeah, you know, to, it, to be a, fair, <laughs> I mean, well, wait. When you started, no, when you started the Wood Whisperer, you were in Arizona. Yeah, we, yeah, we so heard here's about a, California, but that was always like an origin story. You weren't actually that's right. It was in California. It was so we've Whisper only County. seen you live two places. It's the shop move thing that gets you in trouble. Like Mark needs a new shop, and then Mark Mark built a shop. Now Mark's getting rid of that shop. So yeah, you haven't 100%. actually moved that much. Um, well, and then the other thing that complicates this is while I was in Arizona, we had a really hard time selling the first house right. that that we owned. And because of that, we had a, a living situation change where I was going to still have that property for a long time. Um, we took it off the market and I was like, well, why am I suffering in this tiny garage here at the new house when I could just move my shop back to that place and run the show over there? And that's what we did. So I actually was just moving back to the place I already owned and it made it seem like there were, you know, because it was a shop move, but it was not a house move. Right. Right. And then again, I had to move back to the quote unquote dream shop when that time came, which is again, I didn't move, but I had to move the shop. So I think it does give this impression that we move way more than we really do. Right. But I, I understand where that's coming from. Well, at least the one thing you can take solace in is you probably won't have any problem selling the house this time. <laughs> I don't think so. This is definitely the easier way to do a real estate transaction. You might have a problem being <laughs> homeless with how quickly yeah. you sell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. So one of the properties we're looking at, I don't know if people care this much about this, but one of the places we're looking at is a uh, horse properties, 14 acres has its own lake and this horse barn that's on this thing. And I, I hope the you know owners don't care what we're going to do with it. Cause guess what? I'm not putting in there horses. How about a telehandler? <laughs> I'll put a couple, Are you going to get a telehandler? Maybe a couple dogs. Yeah. Some equipment. I'll get some uh, Cremona style equipment. <laughs> I decided that any uh, any equipment that I get will receive a, a custom license plate that says Cremona, just for fun. <laughs> right. But um, 
it's just like a really cool horse barn. It's already got some power to it. Uh, there's a heated room on it. I'm sure the place is going to require a ton of work, but I see that as like an amazingly fun project to convert a horse barn with even, you know, horse stalls and try to retain some of the charm that's there as a horse barn, but turn it into a fully functional wood shop with storage and big equipment and uh, everything that I want to do with the wood whisperer and possibly adding some more staff and things like that. Um, I just see great possibilities and a lot of fun. Cool. Uh, so that's kind of uh, what something hopefully will be in my future if we could find the kind of place that we're looking for. Sounds like a great place to host the long, oft-talked-of Wood Talk <laughs> Conference. You, you, know, you know what it was called, you remember? Oh, shoot. We had a name. Yeah. I remember it. Wood Talk Weekend. Wood Talk Weekend. Yeah, I was just getting yeah. there. <laughs> Because I can hear, I can hear Vanderlist's voice saying Wood Talk Weekend. Yeah, it was Wood Talk Weekend. Oh, you know, just, Missouri. Well, Nicole has centrally located. Nicole's brought that up. Yeah. She's like, where we live now, we're in like a cookie cutter neighborhood. Um, you can't just have a bunch of people over. It doesn't work that way. Uh, there's no parking space. Especially a bunch of so, workers. Yeah. So the thought is like, imagine if we actually could have stuff like that, more community outreach, have, uh, you know, events and things because we have a piece of property that can handle that sort of thing. And the shop isn't literally de- uh, attached directly to our house. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll tell you, that's one of the things with, um, you know, when I had John working for me, uh, that was a little bit awkward because the shop is so intimately associated with my home. It was, you know, having an employee was actually like having a guy in your house. Yeah. Right. And it, it never felt totally comfortable. Not only were we like on top of each other because of a, a small shop and big equipment, um, but he like if he had to use the bathroom, he had to go into my house to use the bathroom. Um, so it was a little that there wasn't enough separation there for the employee thing that I liked the idea of a detached shop yeah. on the property, but firmly detached <laughs> would be great. It's kind of interesting. There's there's a parallel um, like the Mark Spagnolo of triathlon. <laughs> There's a guy named Taryn, um, who's a YouTuber in triathlon and he's oh, okay. like your level for subscribers and that type of thing. He's the big time. Um, and he did the same thing. He was living actually near funk up in Winnipeg Oh no kidding! in like this little cookie cutter community. And he mm-hmm. wanted to have like training camps and things like that and have like people to the house Yeah, and they couldn't do that. So they moved to like Vancouver Island and they have property and they've like, they're like converting you know, you're converting a horse barn into a shop and he's like converting things into like training pain caves and things like that. So oh, that he can actually cool. run like week long training camps and have people come out. It's kind of funny, a similar parallel there, but yeah. yeah, that opens a whole, you know, whole opportunity for all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, my and vision would be you're like a 12 hour drive for me at that point. Well, that's, hey. that's one of the reasons why my mom's so excited about it is because it cuts a huge portion of uh, travel. It's 12 hours for me to drive to come see your mom. That's why she's <laughs> yeah. excited. Yeah, she is. Your mom's upset that I'm leaving the area. So we got that going for us. Secret. <laughs> but the, uh, the drive for her, we've got family that's still in Ohio and family in Jersey. And uh, oh, I think yeah. we have some family in Indiana. Um, these are all now much more realistic driving distances for my mom. And she's, you know, she's also nomadic and likes to, uh, spend more time out of her house than inside her house. So, um, I mean, it all just kind of adds up and seems like a logical, good choice. And, you know, surprisingly the kids are excited about it. They're not doing the, uh, I hate to leave my friends sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe cause they're Spagnolos and they have no friends. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's it. <laughs> We're just a well, family there, of there's a certain age. I mean, <laughs> growing up as an air force brat, moving was just part of my life, but I remember always being excited. Like, yeah. I think 
you know, you get to a, a certain age. Like once I got into high school age, I was I was in Colorado. I stayed put for all of that. But like earlier than that, I think a lot of that, I don't know. I, I Part of me kind of envies people who still have friends they went to elementary school with. Right. But I can't relate to that because uh-uh. I went to like six elementary schools. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I mean, how many people really are close, close friends with people like they met before high school? Right. Heck, I don't even really have close friends from high school. I have close friends from college. But yeah, it's... um. I think, I think they're, they're much more adaptable at that age. We're can, also in a, in a day and age now where like one of Mateo's best friends, uh, Lachlan, um, she and her family, and they were, were all great friends. Uh, they moved back to Vermont and they've been there for about like a year and a half now. Uh, they play together all the time because uh, they right. can do it. They could be on their iPads while, while playing Fortnite together. Like the, the tech exists that they can actually still maintain relationships, not, you know, not in person, uh, but they That's still true. get a little bit of satisfaction of hanging out with friends, um, you know, in these virtual worlds and uh, using like f- well, Facebook I mean, Messenger. Case in point, you're a good friend. We've met what? Three right. times? Yeah, just a, <laughs> a handful of times. We've known each other for like 15 years almost. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah. it's it's wild, but that it, it yeah, works. Pretty cool. It's it's feasible. So so here here's my vision. This is what I'm hoping I can get this business to. And again, this is all when a venture capitalist says, Hey, give us a piece of the pie. We'll give you money. And it's like, well, actually money's not my limitation. It's, it's like logistics is my, my limitation here. If you want to buy me a commercial property in Littleton, Colorado, okay, maybe that would help, but it's going to be expensive. Um, so I think what I'd really like to do is have a place that's not only big enough to house material. So if I see a good deal and someone's just offloading a bunch of, you know, slabs, I could actually have a place to put them. Um, I'm getting, we talked about being in pain, Stockpile right? Some Russian birch. I want some Russian birch so I could sell it, you know, three times the price aftermarket. Um, I, I really want to have some heavy equipment handling. Like the thing is, like I said, I'm in pain because of lifting things. <laughs> you know what I don't want to do? Uh, lift heavy cabinets to put them on the wall. I don't want to have to take slabs off of a big rack by hand on a ladder. Um, I really have to be smart about decisions I make because I've hurt my back so many times. It's friggin' fragile now. And I got to be super careful not to, to injure that. Um, the only way I can do that is if I actually have the proper moving equipment uh, so that I don't have to do stupid things, right? So right. I need I need space to do that. So I want a place that can facilitate all those things. And then on the wood whisperer side of things, like my ultimate vision is if I can hire not only a cameraman, but also another person, another talent who can build, has their own personality, has their own building style. Um, but I would give them the facility to be able to make videos and that duo, that team could be doing their own videos while I'm concurrently doing my own videos. Uh, like, and actually have that under the wood whisperer brand, more content coming out with a different person's perspective. That's still, you know, wood whisperer approved, if you will. Um, that's kind of where I want to go with this to just grow you the remember, YouTube channel further and, and you keep remember the wood forward. whisperer, the wood whisperer network. <laughs> Yeah, we were doing that uh, along with Wood Talk Weekend. <laughs> yeah, that was like 2009, 2010, I think. Oh my TWW gosh, that network. Re- that is a long time ago, man. Yeah, I still remember like the orange kind of color scheme to the whole thing. But We've never know, gotten rid of orange though, which is funny. If you look at our sites, the orange creeps its way true. back in. It's That's the funk that's influence. If you didn't know what that was, and I'm sure 99% of you don't, um, Early on, we did this thing called the Wood Whisperer Network. And the idea was I was collecting all the bloggers and, you know, Shannon, I'm sure you were one of them. Uh, I was there, yeah. People who had a blog with an RSS feed 
Um, I could aggregate those RSS posts into one website and kind of make this like single destination um, that collected all these different bloggers. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was successful. I mean, it functionally, it worked, but ultimately we've gotten, things have changed so much and so rapidly that just became an idea that just was not going to be very sustainable, <laughs> but we called it the wood whisperer network and, uh, yeah, good times. <laughs> That's just where I'm going. You've got, you now you've got another, another, you know, woodworker, maker, whatever. Yeah. Over in the corner doing things. So, you know, on channel one, we've got Steve who's building yeah. this table over on channel two. Yeah. Here's Let's Mark in Mark's corner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just see great possibilities for it. And I've always wanted yeah, to have cool. like, we only have two vehicles. And if you get like a three car garage, then there's one extra. And my thought is like, how cool would it be when I do my beginner series, which I always have trouble setting up equipment in my shop that doesn't actually normally have that equipment set up. I would love to have a, a, a you know, it would almost be like a set, you know, because I would only use it once in a while. Um, but have those tools and equipment for when I do my beginner series that I'm doing that, not with a beautiful, like Felder planer in the background that, you know, I'm not using because I'm trying to do this, you know, I'm trying to prove a point like, no, I've got a DeWalt table saw. Um, I don't have a jointer. Like this is actually a garage with these tools in it. And that's the the paradigm that I'm working in. And that would be great. That would be so fun to do, but I can't, I cannot do it here. <laughs> so, yeah. so we'll that's see cool. how it all works out and how fast this works out. But you guys are, I don't know if in the um, time between now and when this episode releases, I don't think I'm going to say anything about it. So this may be where this news gets dropped for the first time. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> feel free to, to bust my balls yes. all you want. Sorry for peer pressuring you into dropping the ball, but I just figured now is as good a time as any. <laughs> well, again, it moves rapidly, you know? So next thing you know, I may be like, here's a video on how to pack your stuff for a move again. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Okay. okay. Nice. Let's get to this kickback from Christopher. I'll let you read that. All right. Well, we talked about, somebody asked us if we wanted to build a casket, uh, wanted to build our own casket the other day. Yeah. It was a resounding nope. Nope. So... He said, uh, following up on the casket question, I'd like to point out they can be stupidly overpriced. Mm -hmm. I ended up building an, an internment box for my father-in-law's ashes when I found out how much the funeral home was charging for one and offered my skills to my mother-in-law. <clears throat> so maybe not for yourself, maybe for someone else. As Mark would say, I kid you not, they wanted something like 400 bucks by for a cheesy six inch by six inch by nine inch wood box mm -hmm. that I would be ashamed to put my name on as the builder. So there you go. Yeah, I have no doubt they're expensive. I still just don't want to build my own. I don't want to build First of all, I don't want to be, I want to be cremated and like scattered in the Himalayas or something like yeah. that. Well, we already decided. Shot last, into space. Last you know? time we decided you would be going for a trip in your dust collector. Yeah, that'd be good too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I found if, even with pets, um, if you get, you know, one of the fancy boxes instead of like a plastic box, it's also very expensive and also very crappy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, really- yeah. I don't know if it's an opportunistic thing or you know what I mean? Like you're, you're at a point of grief one way or the other and what choice do you have? And you don't want to put them in something super, you know, cheap looking. So spend 400 bucks on this thing. That's just really not well built. I can get behind that. Christopher, you bring up a good point. Um, I just want to, I'm wondering here, do I say I kid you not a lot? I don't know. I'll tell you what, that sounds like something my mom says a lot. So maybe I do and I don't realize so maybe it. you do. Yeah, you probably do. It's her fault. Yeah. Thanks mom. Actually, you know, my mom says a lot. She goes, let me say this about that. And that's when she's about to go on to like something a mom would say where she's kind of, <laughs> um, passively aggressively judging you on something. <laughs> right. I'm just going to say this. 
about that. All right, mom. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. A little, little bit of that little Forrest Gump going on. Yeah. You're Jersey closer Forrest to Alabama and in, in Missouri. You got to work on that. And I can <laughs> yeah. tell you, no one is going to be able to pronounce Spagnolo and they're definitely not going to put a C on the end of Mark. Well, no, no, because there's a lot of um, French names in at least the area of Missouri that Nicole has dragged me to. Um, they, <laughs> I will always speak negatively about it, by the way. Um, oh, that's great. They have French names for roads that are completely butchered and not pronounced the way they should be pronounced. And I, I took French in high school, so I kind of know, I know how it might, I don't know how to say it, but I know when I hear it, if it's correct, <laughs> how not to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And they are definitely not saying it correctly. <sighs> All right. Let's get to a mid roll. You know, who also has a store in St. Louis. Hey, <laughs> our friends at rock. I would assume they do. I don't know. <laughs> I think they do. I hope they do. Uh, they have so, one in Missouri somewhere. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they've got to. They've got to. Well, let, let's look at one benefit here. Um, barbecue. I mean, I make yeah. a pretty darn good barbecue myself, but I also like to enjoy it at other places. This means I might not be more than, a, you know, a, a day drive to a Z-man. So mm. count me in for that. Yes, please. Toasted ravioli. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Well, I, I, I think will. the name describes what it is, but <laughs> yeah, I've never it's, had it's it. ravioli that's toasted. <clears throat> But it's, it's a little like got a little crust on it. Yeah. Feel good. I don't know. I usually can get behind Parmesan, that. Usually kind of crusted in Parmesan. And I, and, I can't and wait to taste the Missouri interpretation of Italian food. <laughs> it's probably just going to be a little chef Boyardee on a bowl on a plate. So, <laughs> okay. I love chef Boyardee. Uh, so, uh, you know, furniture making guides. It's a big thing. Yeah. We, we talked last we're doing a, doing an ad here. Uh, we talked last time about how good Rockler is at uh, not only presenting, you know, content information, tutorials and stuff, but having everything you need uh, to go with it. So they want you, want you to know about their furniture making guide. You can elevate your furniture making with Rockler's furniture making guide. Uh, the guide walks you through common joinery techniques, tips for building outdoor furniture, table making tips, including a guide to buying and using epoxy, installing a Murphy bed, easy DIY updates that you can make around the house and more. You can also choose from over 50 free woodworking plans. Uh, you can find the guide this month on the Rockler homepage. It's actually featured there, uh, or you can find the link in our show notes. And here's the thing. Nicole asked me recently, a coworker of hers, she said they, they want to know if you could build them a Murphy bed. And I said, absolutely not. That sounds like something that I don't want to do. Sounds too hard, a lot of work. And then I was like, wait a minute, hold on. I shouldn't be too judgmental about this. Maybe I can find a plan somewhere. I don't often refer to plans, but if it's if it's something that's very specific like that, like a Murphy bed has to do certain things to be successful as a Murphy bed. Right. I was like, you know what? I bet you Rockler has something for that. And I went to the Rockler site and sure enough, they've got Murphy bed plans. They've got the hardware, uh, everything that you would need to accomplish that. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't think that I'd be able to build plantation shutters but I made custom plantation shutters for a transom window in our bedroom and they came out great. And it was, you know, because of the resources I was able to find at Rockler's site. So I'm like, if, if this is intimidating to me, I guarantee you, if I go with one of these plans, if they pick one out that they really like, I'll just get that plan. Anything I need to make it hardware and stuff, they're going to have all that stuff. I'm actually going to be able to commit to doing this project, but I'm moving. So now I don't have to. So <laughs> you don't have to, there's yeah. that I got off the hook, but if I run away to, from your problems, if I wanted to, man, Rockler would have had my back on that one. So anyway, thank you for sponsoring the show, Rockler. We always appreciate your support and uh, see you in St. Louis. Hey. Maybe.
All right. So we have, we have questions here. Love questions. Okay. Matt asks, uh, Matt H. He says, looking at drum sanders, uh, is it worth it to get one that you can double the size of the open end or just get a standard, uh, says I don't, I don't want to drop 2,500 to be upset with the purchase. Just looking for some advice. Thanks and have a great day. Okay. So what he's talking about is the cantilever style is usually what it's referred to, uh, where the drum is anchored to one side, but open-ended on the other side. And the theory with this is if you have, let's say a 22 inch drum that you actually have 44 inch capacity because you can run a, a wide tabletop through, excuse me. And then you could flip it around 90, uh, 90 degrees, no, 180 degrees, uh, flip it around and run it through a second time to say in the other side. Oftentimes, these uh, cantilevered um, systems, they will have a setting. It's A lot of times, it's just a little lever that's adjustable, but you lock this lever down, and what it does is it kind of lifts up the far end just a few thousandths, uh, because what you run the risk of when you do two passes like this is that the end of the drum whether it's how the paper anchors into the drum or just the, the natural you know, physics of what's happening, you can get a line down the middle of the table, uh, a groove, and that's that's never good. So by sort of angling it just a hair off from uh, parallel to the table, um, you can avoid having that. And on a tabletop, that little difference in that sanding shouldn't make much of a difference, especially if you're going to maybe plane or card scrape or just hit it with a random orbit sander afterwards. You could usually smooth all that out <clears throat> and it's uh, it's going to be fine. The reality of that is I personally haven't had a whole lot of luck with that. Um, using the full capacity of the drum at once sometimes can be tricky. If your paper isn't on perfectly, you could wind up ripping that paper right off. That can be a problem. Uh, and then getting that cantilevered action um, to have that little lift at the end and not create some kind of a groove in the center of the table. I haven't had much luck doing that, but that's just me. I know, especially in the audience, I'm sure there are tons of people who do this successfully. So I know it can be done, but I know it also can be like a bit of a point of contention with this style. Um, and I feel they're like not that's all a pretty equal. common objection too. So you're not the only one. Yeah, I mean, some problem. people can do it, but I actually would hazard a guess that most people have a little bit of difficulty with that aspect of the, the cantilever design. So generally speaking, I've got a cantilever design. I only work with a 22-inch span. I know there's the, the numbers 44 are in the name. It's 2244, but I don't use the 44 aspect of that. Um, I did just pick up a super, uh, super max double drum unit, and I believe it's a 25 inch. And it sounds like I'm losing capacity because it's supported on both sides, but I did want that extra support. And the reality is I don't use more than a 20, uh, 22. So I actually am gaining three inches of capacity, not losing anything because I don't use the open-ended aspect of it. So that's just my opinion, though. Ask around, uh, look at reviews on this and see, because that is something that people test out. And if it if it's working for people, then don't listen to me. <laughs> get, get it well, and uh, me, tune it up properly. This. What's like, that? I've, I've never, never owned a drum sander. <clears throat> I remember, you know, early in my years when I was still, you know, on the power tool side of things, I remember thinking that would be an eventual purchase. Yeah. But it was so far down the list. There were so many other things ahead it's of a, time. It's a luxury item. Well, how often do you use the drum sander on like a dining table top? And, and it is a matter of if you had the capacity, like if you had a wide belt sander, like if I, I had a wide a, belt, I would, I would do it every time. Yeah, I guess that's one, the case. If you had it, you'd use it more. Yeah, but. once once the glue up is done, right? And, I, and this current project, I had a couple of panels and they're 12 inch panels, right? So well within the capacity. Um, but I had to do like a three or three board glue up to get there or the top. The top was like 16 inches deep. Um, and that was three boards to get that. 
Well, that's a lot of glue lines. If you're, you know, even if you're perfect with your glue up, you still have a little bit of sanding to do there. So I just sanded away the glue by hand uh, and then ran it through the drum sander. And then I got a nice clean surface to start with. I still wind up hitting it with the random orbit just to, you know, get the uh, drum sander scratches out. Uh, but it's, it's incredibly handy to have that. And if I had the wider capacity and the room for a wide belt, heck yeah, I'd be running big old tabletops through there. That's a, I mean, a, ironically, one of the brands is called time saver because it's a huge time yeah. saver. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's, that's, that's what we have. We have a time saver at the yeah. and it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Named. But yeah, no, I, I always wondered that. Cause like, I, I know in my mind, I was thinking this would be great for bent lamb. Like yeah. what better way? Cause when, you know, when you're dealing with eighth inch or 16th inch, you know, totally. laminations, mm-hmm. there's just nothing else. Um, you got to sand it. You can't plane it. Um, you can well, hand shop, plane shop it. made um, veneer, bent laminations. These are all times where I'm, I'm pulling that drum sander out and, and using it for that. Interesting. I think the thing too, uh, that I find it just a cautionary thing for Matt. I don't, you may already know this, but people often have trouble with drum sanders because they assume they're just, a planer that does smoother work. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not a material removal tool. It's a surfacing tool. It's a finishing tool. Um, so you find people who are like, Oh yeah, it just constantly slows down that in a lot of them have this IntelliSand technology that basically detects when it's under too much load and slows down the conveyor. They're like, I'm constantly getting slowdowns. And it's like, because you're taking too much of a bite. Uh, these yeah. are not material removal tools. You have to plane down to your thickness maybe just be a 64th above where you need to be 32nd at the most, and then use the drum sander to get yourself down to final thickness. Um, but what you're actually just doing is smoothing and removing milling marks and stuff. So as long as you do that, you know, you could still, and that goes for anybody who's looking for a drum sander. You got to have the expectation set correctly because you cannot just like, you know, it's not like a wide belt sander, uh, that can sometimes, you know, remove a decent amount of stock in one go. You just cannot do it. You got to be careful. Yeah, you can't take her Cremona pass. No Cremona passes on a on a drum sander, that's for sure. Although I will say, when you get into the you know the six figure range, there are some amazing tools out there um, mm-hmm. where they've got these you know because a drum sander a lot of times you've got a platen that you know is set at a certain height and the belt is running over that and that you know, that platen is usually quite rigid and that's what prevents it you know you can't run an an uneven thickness board through there, or you can, but you have to set it at the height of the thickest section. Yeah, right. And then the, the the sander is not getting the low spots. But then there are some machines that have almost like a bladder that mm-hmm. conforms to the shape and and the, the paper itself is quite pliable. Yeah. So you've got flap sanders as well that can sand like crown molding and things like that. But this is like a full-on, you know, conveyor belt drum sander with a highly flexible moldable top surface so you can like send a chair through, <laughs> maybe not a chair, but <laughs> it just um, comes out sanded. That'd be great. It's incredible. Some of the stuff that's, that's on the market now. Um, Cause we, we were actually looking into one um, for a while there um, because we, we didn't want the precision of a drum sander. Like we wanted yeah. to send some rougher stuff through there, but have it come out the other side with a 120 surface and right. you know, the, the drum sander just, it doesn't do that. You got to take like 3000 passes and it all has to be even, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. But that's when, when truly money is no object, when like $250,000 is what you're mm-hmm. planning to spend on your next machine. Yeah. Those are those machines. Well, I think Crazy. there's actually some logic to that too. Like when you're doing a tabletop, you're, well, especially if you've milled it up really well, by the time you're done and you glue, glue it up really nicely, <clears throat> that thing being like laser dead flat 
is not really important anymore. It just kind of right. needs to be an even thickness across its, you know, length and width. Um, it's kind of where th- I was going when I asked, like, would you use it? Like, is it yeah. really necessary? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, in that case, it's like, I don't necessarily care. I just kind of want to, I want to smooth it at this point. I'm not doing a structural change. I'm actually just doing a surface change and whatever gets me to that surface faster is, is what I want. And if like, is some kind of a flexible bottom support sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah pretty cool. cool. But expensive. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this is an email from Gustav. He says, I have a question about something that is bugging me. I never seem to be able to sharpen my plane blades straight. No matter what I do, they always come out slightly skewed and sharp. Well, that's important. Um, I recently bought the new Veritas side side clamping honing guide, and although it made things better, the plane blades still don't come out perfect. Hmm. Now, I had a really bad honing jig before, and as a result, all my blades got a bad skew. Can this skew continue to impact the blades now? Um, Any advice? Uh, Absolutely. Um, If the blades are already skewed, technically if well let's say it this way the new side clamping guide if it is it is grinding straight and the blades are already skewed um first of all you're gonna have trouble getting across the whole edge because like the longer point of that skew is gonna be making contact and the if the guide is stable enough it's going to prevent the short edge of the skew from making contact with a stone but generally most honing guides aren't that stable so the fact that you've got a bit of a skew on there, no matter how well the guide clamps it, it's still kind of sort of conforming to the skew that you already have. Just hand pressure alone um, and pushing down on the stone will, will allow the, the, the jig to rock a little and sharpen that skew. Now, certainly the more pronounced the skew angle is, the more you know difficult it is to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what... If you have discovered, and and I know many bad honing guides that do this, I know some Veritas honing guides that do this. It's funny that he brought um, up Veritas in right? this question. <laughs> he didn't say what his other bad honing jig no, was, I was before, but is it the Mark II? I don't know. <laughs> right. So I, what you really need to do is try to get a square edge. You know, if you have to go to a grinder and even just get it r- coarsely ground so that it's straight across you're going to do your results from the jig are going to be a lot better. It's kind of like, you know, for those of us that grew up with an Atari 2600, hit the reset button, yeah, baby. you know, start over, no matter what happens, you, you ended up screwy hit reset and, and start over. And that's probably best done with a grinder. Technically you can hone out that skew, but it's going to take a while. Um, and it's going to be inefficient. Um, and if you don't have a grinder, I understand I don't have a grinder, but I mean, grinders are not that expensive. Um, the wheels generally end up being more expensive than, than the grinders most of the time, but it's also something that's might be a good investment to have around the shop. Anyway, even a hand crank grinder like I have gets used from time to time. Now, all that to say a little bit of a skew on a plane blade is not the end of the world. That's what the lateral adjuster on the plane is for. If I didn't say this, someone was going to bring it up. So if the, skew, if the blade is slightly skewed, you can tweak the lateral adjuster in order to present the cutting edge parallel to the sole of the plane. Certainly, my concern, if you have a skew and that little bit of added pressure that you apply while you're honing, it's going to make the skew worse. So over time, you might actually find your skew, the angle of that skew is increasing. So I recommend you square it off just to prevent that kind of skew creep if that's a word, mm-hmm. skew creep, skew creep. Um, yeah. Let's just, go with it. just to prevent that from getting worse, go ahead and square it off and kind of start over. That's going to be your best bet. 
Nice. The end. So like, is this just a picky woodworker thing? You know, because like, I know it's been bothering me in the past. If I've got a skewed, even just a chisel, you know, the biggest it's going to be is like one inch, but somehow that skew is really bugging me. <laughs> but like, <laughs> does it impact the work? Not at all. You know, can Not you put it all. in a yeah. plane blade and use the lateral adjustment to uh, compensate? Absolutely. But why do we want it to be so perfect? You know, like I, I get it. I see both sides of this. It's, it's a little silly, yeah. but I also it get interesting. it. I, I feel like the precision that has, has happened in sharpening, like the level the exactness to which we can sharpen now and mm-hmm. like the, the the grits that are available to us, the 36,000 grit Shapton stones and yeah. things. I think that has exasperated this idea that everything has got to be dead square and yeah. it's got to be micro polished and everything. And in general, I think sharpening is way overblown. Yeah. Um, you remember Todd Clippinger wrote in one time, a long time ago and talked about using one of those vertical belt sanders to sharpen <laughs> yeah. his chisels yep. at like an 80 grit paper. And yep. it's like, yeah, that's sharp. You know, going over the higher grit refines the edge and technically makes it more durable, but it doesn't make it any more sharp. Yeah. It just means an 80 grit stone, the little fibers are kind of frayed and they're going to fold faster than a 16,000 grit stone. Yeah. But I think because, frankly, you know, the marketplace has demanded higher grit stones and and greater precision in the jigs and that that the greater precision offered by the jigs now like makes us obsess over it right so we're holding squares up to the end of our chisels and our plane blades and crap like that and yeah i could tell you every vintage tool like when i was at the stepping stone museum like there was a lot of dull tools i sharpened a lot of tools my first year there and every single one of them looked like it had been gnawed on by a beaver. <laughs> and you know what? It still worked fine. Yeah. You know, all I had to do was get it sharp and it worked fine. And that edge wasn't square and I could have squared it. But we we literally had one of those giant like treadle driven grist mill looking wheels. Yeah. That was so dried out that I was worried to pour water on it for fear <laughs> that it might just crack apart. Right. So we didn't have a grinder. So I wasn't going to grind any edges or any of that stuff. I just honed it in its current state. You know, and it was fine. It all worked fine. So I think that taught me we're, we're really precious when it comes yeah. to our sharpening. I think if you're and, going, and I'm with, with you, I see both sides. I have corrected a slightly out of skew chisel. Yeah, thinking this is going to throw off all my work. All the floors of my mortises are going to be out of skew. Who yeah. cares? See, I think the thing <laughs> is, if it's consistent, then it's definitely not a problem. But I think if you have a jig that maybe it's locking down differently every time, so when you go to just kind of hit that micro bevel. And now you're resetting the bevel because it's off. Yeah. Well, that's a problem that I think yeah. you got to worry about that. But I think if you are, if your jig is, this is where like the Mark two came in. It was consistently off for me. So while right. it bothered me, it wasn't really a problem because I could still use the jig, but yeah. I just think there's this expectation. Like if I wanted it to be anything but 90, I do it by hand. <laughs> right. Like, right. But because I'm using the jig, I feel like we automatically have the expectation that this should be perfect. And if it's not, sure. it bugs me, you know? Well, and, and the cost of those high-end jigs, absolutely. I yeah. want it to be, you know, perfect. Right. Yeah, I, I think this is a whole other show. This is like the things that we like deal with, like the the masking tape stuff on the planer that marks all the nicks in the blade and you yeah. know not to run the board through that part of the planer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rather than than honing it or sharpening it, we just put marks on that. There was an actual tip in fine woodworking when one issue where they put masking tape up and put a little pencil mark that shows where the nicks are. This is back before spiral cutter heads and things. Right. So, 
Yeah, well, I've got all a, the things got, that we deal with. Speaking of drum sanders, I've got two lines on my drum sander right now where that's the spot you do not want to use that part of the paper because right. it's, it's burned and it's going to, you know, put a groove in my board. Um, right. But you, yeah, you do that until the whole thing is wasted and then I replace it. But, you know, got to be uh, frugal. Yeah, there's the other dark secret about drum sanders. Changing the paper sucks. Oh, it's the worst. There's no, if someone can invent a drum sander that like, you can easily change the paper. They're going to make yeah. a mint, but so kind of far like the, no one's been able to do it. I want one that works kind of like, um, the back to the future shoelaces where you just push a yes. button and it just goes and sucks down on the drum. That'd That'd be be great. Be, that'd be great. It'd be great. Do that. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. <laughs> Jacket drying. Jacket dry. <laughs> right. Man. All right. That's good. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, Rockler is family owned since 1954 and they are your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, for some reason that word was hard for me, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you, and you can use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most online orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk. It's your last chance to get in to enter for that $250 gift card. So get on over there. Go get that money. Get it. Mm. Well, folks, thanks for bearing with us. This one's this has been an interesting show. <laughs> we did get some woodworking in there. So those sure. of you who say you want more woodworking, we did get it in. But most importantly, let us know, you know, Missourians. Missourians? Missouriites? Missouras? Missouricans. Yeah, Missouricans. I like that. <laughs> The last of the Missourians, <laughs> um, right in and give us your favorite barbecue joint. Come on, we got it. We got to pump Mark up here. He's, he's yeah. gonna go through with this. Is there anyone let's, better let's, than Joe's in Kansas City? That's what I want to know. Yeah. What What is the comparable Z-Man sandwich somewhere else? No. You know. And 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 is the Z-Man like are the local Missouri Missourians going tourist? He's quoting right? the Z-Man, freaking out of towner. What is the locals' favorite? What is the locals' version of the Z-Man? And where's the best place to get toasted ravioli? And let's give us some hot spots, Missourians, to get to get the Spagnolos excited about their trip. And uh, you know, I'd want to hear too because maybe I'll go visit. Yeah, I want some. Come I want on, a over. Z-Man. I'll make. The I'm planning to get a Z-Man as I drive to Colorado this year. You, specifically you. stopping. So let me know. That may work against your uh, your 20 pound goal. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a problem with the Z-Man. I figure I'll I'll have the bike on the roof, so I'll just I'll just bike the next yeah. 20, 30 miles to get rid of it. I may need more than 30 miles to get rid <laughs> yeah. of the Z-Man sandwich. But yeah. So oh yeah, and if you want to send us those tips, <laughs> go to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Send them there. Yeah. Shannon's just saying words say. now. Yeah, the show's so off the rails. Just forget it. <laughs> that's what happens when Matt's not here. We get so disorganized. Uh, it's, He's it's crazy to think that Matt is the organized one. Yeah, he's not. Okay, well, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.